John, how you doing? Good, Matt. How are you? Well, I tell you, most of the time I'm like Mr. Lucy Goosey and just like, let's go, let's have some fun. But when John Griswold calls, I'm like, I got to take this serious now. <laughs> Matt Lautner coming to you live on a Tuesday night, and uh, we're right in the middle of spring breeding, and I guess I've had a lot of high-value guests this last few weeks, and don't get much bigger than a little guy from central Oklahoma near Stillwater by the name of John Griswold. I don't know how or why, but he said, yeah, I'd like to do an interview with OMLC. So uh, this is pretty darn exciting. I'm so excited to be here. John, thank you for taking the time. Thanks for asking me, Matt. I'm yeah. usually not yep. too good on this deal, but you just kind of hit me right, and I thought I'd get on here with you. Yeah. You said you listened to a few of those Legends of the Industry podcasts and said you didn't mind what you what you heard. So No, I really, put, I really enjoyed them. Just quickly and briefly, uh, I, I don't know if you wanted to include it in the show or not, but I know you said your wife is uh, uh, out in Utah. If you just want to give her a quick shout out, yeah, I miss them bad. She had to go out, or she went out for a wedding, and Gibbs is a little bit puny, so she might stay out there a few more days. She doesn't know for sure yet, but anyway, we sure hope Gibbs is okay. Yeah, if uh, Mrs. Griswold gets back home and wants to be on the big show, we'd love to have her. So uh, I don't know a whole lot about you follow stuff closely the last 20 some years but before that i'd be a little fuzzy talk about your origin story where were you born and raised and i mean were you always in the cattle business i was born in stillwater when my folks went to school here and then i was when i was two uh my brother greg and i were little and we moved to wisconsin mom and dad got a chance to run the family farm and we always farmed a lot up there and had angus cows so, I had no idea. What part of Wisconsin were you from? Livingston. Right, right there in the southwest corner by Platteville. Awesome. And what ages did you live there? Like all through your high school or from, from two yep, from two till seventeen. I I graduated high school in eighty one and then I moved to OSU to go to school and my folks moved to Miami and uh you know, I'd go over there in the summer times and had a lot of fun with them, but it didn't really feel like home. And Stillwater kind of more and more felt like home, and I just decided I was going to stay here. So, I mean, tracking my own history, did you always own cows? I guess you know, as Cattle Drive Live uh, uh, exhibited, you traded a few steers. When did you start to get into the cow deal? Did you always own a few? No, I didn't own anything in college except all I did was. I mean, I clipped a lot of days for people. I got to know different people in Oklahoma. When I came to Stillwater, I actually did not know one single person here. I lived in the AGR house, and I met a lot of a lot of guys right out of the bat, and a lot of those guys are still my friends to this day. But I started clipping for some people for 50 bucks a day, and, you know, I was gone every weekend clipping. or And then later in college, I, I traded a couple, you know, just a handful of steers and Gosh, I remember sure. the first year I sold, I bought him for 400 and sold him for 1500 And I'm like, there will never be another bad day that can't get any better than this. No, just kept doing that through the 80s and 90s. And I'm not trying to make this a sappy story, but just, I think this is awesome that uh, you, I mean, I have, my old man was in the business, and I'm not trying to say there wasn't benefit to having my old man in the business, but generally I, I was never gifted anything, and it was it's kind of nice looking back on it that I built my business from scratch. 
And uh sounds like you did the exact same thing. So I just, for anybody out there listening, I mean, I'm just a little pee on this deal, but it, and I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to, like, make you feel weird, John, but there isn't a bigger brand in the business right now than the G-Bar and the Griswold Cattle. And, and uh, it's just pretty cool to hear that beginning story straight out of college and, and making your acquaintances and just working your way up the ladder like we all have had to do. As you started to trade, did you have any unique personal relationships? I know that Bob Brun said that he worked with you quite a bit. I mean, anybody else in that time frame? I mean, I met a lot of people when I went to school. I mean, I... You know, Steve Bonham, Mike Wilhelm I met. I mean, just a whole bunch of guys. And I just, my my Uncle Pat and my Aunt Mary and my dad went to school here too. A lot of people remembered them or knew them. And I played a lot off of that. I mean, I just wanted to meet everybody I could. I remember when I went to school, Dad said, when you go, he said, it won't be what you learn. It'll be, he said, it'll be who you know and, and who you meet. Absolutely. Silly little guy like me, I got lucky with a few things early in my career. I mean, was there anything in particular that gave you that leg up or gave you that bread and buddy, bread and butter money-making deal that uh, allowed you to acquire some land? Or I mean, I guess land prices uh, probably weren't the, as high as they were today back then, obviously. But just tell me what what got you that first leg up in terms of getting a little bit of stability. One of the first big things that hit for us was uh, a friend of mine named Todd Thrasher and Dale Newman dropped a pair off here one day and said, uh, we'll give you a quarter of that bull for selling him in the uh, Christy Collins' exposure sale, and that bull was Irish whiskey. That was in 01. Uh, I'd like to start out a little bit before that talking about during the 90s, sure. I met a guy named Ed Burke, who's Tim Burke's dad, and he told me one day, he said, there'll be two or three deals that'll happen in every man's life, and he said, those two or three deals will determine the rest of your life. And I, at the time, I didn't really get it, but now I really get it. And we had the opportunity about that same – the year before, I think, Irish Whiskey, Gary Berkland called me from Dupree, South Dakota, and told me they were going to sell their cows. And Dad told me, he goes, you need to leave. I mean, I left like in two hours and drove up hmm. there. And actually, Ed Burke drove up there and met me, and after about three or four days – we had we got those cows bought and had the opportunity to leave them there and Ken Berkland helped us a lot. Like Ed Burke specifically, uh, I mean, I'm just I'm just going off my limited knowledge. Did he own a bank there in Genoa or is that someone else? Yeah, that's how. Yeah, he owned a bank. I met Tim in Denver clipping for Cal Herring uh, about Cal. I've been to his place probably five times in the last ten years or so, and every time I go there. Guess who's the first person he talks about? He talks about his relationship with John Griswold, and I guarantee you that's the truth. Yep. He was a big influence in my life. He was really good. I guess I grew up showing a handful of them steers that were, had the UC brand that would have came through Hilbert maybe back in the day. Okay, here, I'll, I'll talk about the UC cows. The, when I used to travel and buy steers, I went to a, a lot of different places, and I, I'd come home every year and I'd say, the Berkland brothers in Dupree, South Dakota, got the very best herd of cows I've ever seen. So that was really how I got to know Gary when I, you know, and I was just so intrigued by their cows. So when he called, I was just flabbergasted that they would even consider selling those cows. And they were, and they were unbelievable set of cows. And that Irish whiskey, he clicked with those cows so good. It was just, it was unbelievable. The term UC or the word, the letters, what does that, what does that stand for? 
UC was Gary Berkland's brand. And ah. uh, it was such a great brand. I learned a lot about brands up there, but it was such a great brand because you you could use the U and the C and, and never – just as a one-hire brand, which is really, really worth a lot up there. But the brand we really – that was Gary's brand, but the brand we put on all our cattle up there after we got going was Ken's brand, and that was L slash L on the left rib. Cool. I remember all those pictures of those cows. Yep. Well, that was just my brothers and I would go up there every summer and spend a lot of time, and we had a lot of good help up there, But and we'd AI all these cows. I mean, we'd AI, you know, probably a 1,000 head a year up there, and mm. – you know, there were several years, I mean, 95% of them got bred to Irish whiskey. And, gosh, those were those were such good cattle. And and then we start, you know, kept all those daughters. And, you, I mean, and you know how that clicked with your bulls and Monopoly. And, I mean, it just was sure. a – those were just really good cattle that clicked with, with the club cap bulls at that time. Absolutely. And still do. The old Monopoly Irish whiskey cross was easily like the premium mating from back in the day. And, uh, yeah. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, I guess at some point you started marketing some of those females through your – I mean, we started off by saying that Christy Collins had that sale. And then at what year did you start the Griswold Cattle uh, December sale? Maybe 12, I'm just guessing. But yep. we were fortunate enough for her to let us in that exposure sale. Things change and – we started having the classic here. And during this time is when I really went from, tra you know, I was trading a, a lot of steers. I really got more interested in the cows and, and how they were bred and how they clicked with other bulls. And that's really what got us kind of transitioned from the from the steer business yeah. to more to the female end. My wife visited with you this year at OKC uh, about some of your genetics, and she just got a, a kick out of, like, you instantly knew like two or three, four generations back on this uh, bull that we purchased that's all painted up with the GCC prefixes. And, I mean, she just she gained a lot of uh, of knowledge from her five, ten-minute conversation with you there at OKC this year. I mean, at some point, I think Nick Ryman was down there uh, in Stillwater going to school. I'm sure in this time frame you started to build a relationship with him. And, I mean, I don't know if he's, a huge part of your story, or if he's uh, just you know another acquaintance, but if you, could, you know, he was, Nick worked Nick worked for us when we went when he went to college, and just got to be really really good friends. And then you know we were driving back and forth to South Dakota constantly, so we'd drive by Nick's place. And one thing I listened to the story you did with Barry the other night, and one thing I really wanted to add when Nick was really just getting going. I remember I stopped in there and talked to his dad one day, and his dad was, you know, that, I think they might have bought had bought in the Beatlesbacher cows, and his dad looked at me and goes, Johnny goes, Nick's really doing a lot of this stuff. He goes, do you think the people will come here? And I'm like, I said, I guarantee you that they will come. If you if you raise them good, they will come. And they and look at what he did in a short time. He was an unbelievable friend and a hell of a person. Well, I remember Mark Sneed talking about, and maybe maybe I don't remember this correctly, but talking about when he started doing the pictures for the classic and them, them open heifer calves, and he would say, you know, he was somewhere we were picturing for a sale I was doing, and he says, hey, when you've got John Griswold on the halter and you've got Luke Doris and Ryman and 
whoever you had in there and the crew getting them things ready, uh, there was no way but those things weren't going to look perfect. Yeah, they were. Who were, were some of the people you you guys had in the heyday there that would have been in there working on those early days to help picture them things as far as dressing them? And were you yeah, on the hold of every did, one of them in the uh, early days? Luke did a lot, and my brother Greg did a lot, and uh, Nick helped a lot. I mean, I hate to even talk. I'm sure I'll miss a lot of people, but, yeah, we those were sure some of the most influential ones. I've always thought John picked the greatest location ever to be that close to Stillwater because all the best livestock kids, just cattle, it doesn't matter what species, they all kind of want to filter through Stillwater and go to school at Oklahoma State. And I always thought that he had to have – that was probably just, you know, just lucky it turned out that way. Was that any thought in your mind when you picked Stillwater? Maybe you already mentioned this, that you'd always have a plethora of good young livestock help or just luck out that way? No, I, I mean, when we bought that, you know, we called it the old show barn. Now, I mean, we were just happy to get something bought. And we, you know, I think we give – Jeannie and I were talking the other day, our car that we bought the other day cost – Seventy thousand, and that place over there cost sixty three thousand for thirty <laughs> acres and home, and it had a little barn on it. And I mean, times have really changed. When I think of Griswold cattle, you guys have had hundreds, or maybe not. I mean, just a plethora of awesome bulls. But just in terms of Irish whiskey and maternal made specifically, what is the perfect mating for those cows for show steer production? Or I mean, is there you like the Irish whiskey, Angus Cross, or Maternal Maid? Where do you like him the best? I, I love Maternal Maid, too, and he's a little newer. But, I mean, whiskey, for me, those cattle were a little more punch to him even than, than Maternal Maid. Sure. And he clicked with the – you know, he gave him so much power and that extra look. And he – I mean, heck, you know how good he clicked with Monopoly. And, but personally, I like the whiskeys. They were just a yeah. little stouter. I, I like them stout. For a while, the the main deal was trying to pluck out the PHA from the breed. And you tell the story how you want to tell it, and I can I can edit it however you want it. But like, did the PHA deal uh, give you a slight hiccup for a year or two, or did you guys go full steam ahead with whiskey regardless of whenever they started coming with some some different rules in the Main Energy Association? We went. We didn't change a whole lot. I mean, we were, you know, we didn't know exactly what to do either, but, you know, I remember talking to Ken Berkland about it, and he said, well, tell me, when we, you know, when we were just learning about it, he goes, well, tell me this. He goes, so if I breed whiskey to an, all these Angus cows up here, he goes, will I ever have a calf that would die or have PHA? And I said, never. Yep. And he said, and I, when I said that, I can see his face. He goes, no big deal then, keep breeding them. But that first year, I mean, like the, one of one of the best efforts we ever sold, uh, Sullivan bought her, and she won a lot. And uh, I know we didn't make her lot one that year because she was dirty. She was lot three. Sure. Would that have been so, would that have been all right already? Yeah, that was all right already. Hell yeah! Still to this day, she's kicking ass. I think I think RJ has her up in South Dakota. Whenever my personal story would be on the TH side that uh, everybody that first year they wanted to breed to that that totally clean bull on the TH and they didn't want to they didn't want to have TH in their herd that that was the thing or that was the a lot of what people thought and then they came into their next year's calf crop and they realized their calves weren't as good anymore 
So I guess, yep. you know, it's it's a balancing act. We don't want to push these things that you have to breed around. But on the other hand, I mean, we got to the point where those cattle were the most dominant because you were picking phenotype only for 20 or 30 years previous. And, I mean, yeah, these these little deals came up. Average ones yeah. don't command a real high price. That's right. We're breeding for those exceptional ones for sure. I remember going to the uh, main on June meeting when I wasn't on the board, but uh, John Boddicker had a meeting about it in Fort Worth, and I remember going there, and they were talking about, you know, and how many years they were going to kick the bulls out and maybe kick the heifers out. And I remember going there and saying, if we just leave it alone, it's going to work itself out if it just, you know, yep. and, and sure as heck it did. I'm uh, bring us to date from 2010 to – the present, those in the last five years, or maybe it's been longer, you've put out the Griswold Cattle Spring Sire book, and uh, Kent Jakey's running around the country for you. Just just bring us to date as far as the, the Griswold brand for the semen sales part of it, and then uh, obviously just briefly glance upon your, your production sale in December that everybody looks forward to as well. Well, that's kind of what I do. As the, I mean, I'm okay at getting the cattle ready and getting them presented and all that. When I married Jeannie, she's, you know, she's good on social media, and that was a big part of it. And uh, Jakey and I had always been friends, and that, you know, then he, we got doing, he got selling the semen, and we just really concentrated on the bulls that would make females. That's, well, that's just what we, my wife likes it, I like it, that's what we, that's what makes us tick. And Jakey was super good at it, and macy in the office and we just we were like you know what we're going to concentrate on on what we know and what we like and they work for us and we're confident to work for other people and that was kind of our philosophy and it's just you know it's just kept growing i've seen that your kiddos have hit the show ring here in the last year or two just put put the audience inside of your head and inside of your wife's head uh how exciting is it to see your own kiddos out there doing what you've loved to do for the last 30 years or, or longer. Uh, how exciting is that to see your own kiddos' passion start to grow? It, everybody always told me it would be a whole different deal, and it really is. When you see your little girl or Garrett just showed it for the first time the other day, it's a whole different ball game when you see your own kid out there and you're trying to help them, and it's, it's pretty yeah. touching for me. Sometimes I just look out there and, I mean, it's about more than I can take, to be honest with you, Matt. It's it's pretty it's pretty heartfelt for me. You bet. Yeah. I are, mean, uh, are you going to go back? Are you going to go back to showing big hairy fat steers? I don't know. I don't know on that. We're kind of in the stuck in the heifer deal right now, and we really enjoy that. So, but uh, when Matt told me he wanted to do get you on here, he wanted to kind of examine them old school steer show routes. I don't know how deep you guys got into that. <laughs> As a 19-year-old kid, we all wanted to be John Griswold trading club calves. I can remember that pretty pretty vividly. Yeah. Well, I had a lot of fun doing that, and, and I learned a lot doing that. It's just, you know, it's just life is full of paths, and it's just which one suits you the best and which one you decide to go down. And we decided to go down the female route, and that worked really good for us. Whenever you said that uh, Ed Burke, said there'll be two or three things to happen to you in your life, and it's all about how you uh, manage those situations or if you take take the opportunity and run. 
I mean, I don't want this to be a sappy or I'm not making this up, but that was the second time in my podcasting career that I had a chill go up my spine. And the other one was whenever Mrs. Uh, Steve Martin said that old uh, Chubbs got off the trailer at the Indiana State Fair and was ready to go to the show ring right there. But, uh, I mean, I, could, I guess uh, my point would be I can just think of a couple of things that has happened to me over the course of my 20-some-year career. And it's like, yeah, if we hadn't have uh, managed those situations or those opportunities correctly, we still might be working for somebody else. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess that's personal to me, and I just I really enjoyed that that uh, that part of the interview for sure. Yeah, that it, probably is got, pretty good advice for any young person right going now, forward. Thinking about it, but that's so true. You know, yeah. I see a lot of I see a lot of I see a lot of people that got way ten times more talent than I'll ever have. But yeah. it's like sometimes they don't. When when you got your chance, you better jump on it because you don't get very many of them. An analogy that I've heard that I, I think about sometimes whenever I. I mean, we've had struggles before. I, I mean, it's just everybody goes through times whenever they get fed up with the grind or whatever it may be. But uh, whenever you're truly challenged, I sometimes think about this quote. It's probably silly, but you just got to put yourself – if you're out in the ocean, you got to punch a hole in that in that life raft and you got to get back to shore on your own. I mean, you just got to jump in and not look back and just – Anytime something sets you back, you just got to keep pushing forward. I mean, that's just the way this show cattle deal works. And probably sounds a little bit silly, but I, I honestly think about that from time to time. I don't think that's silly at all. That's been my theory my whole life. I mean, everybody's like, what's your, you know, they, they think we had this big plan. I mean, sure. it's never been a plan. It's still a struggle. I'm like, you know, yeah. you just, I mean, life is a struggle. And, every, you know, I had somebody say, to me just a couple days ago about something about being on the mountain. I'm like, I hope I never say that I'm on top of the mountain. I said, I hope I always am humble enough to think that I'm not even close to the top of that mountain, and I want to keep trudging my way to the try to get to the top someday. But I don't feel like right now we're close to the top. (laughs) I got to say this one. I had somebody ask me about my marketing plan. And, uh, hell, it might have been Brett Carter, uh, and I said, Brett, I wake up every morning, and the scoreboard says zero to zero. And I want to get up, and by the end of the time when I go to bed that night, I want to be on top of the scoreboard for that day's social media activities. So <laughs> that's the way I look at it. Tomorrow morning I'll wake up, and the scoreboard will be zero to zero at 6 a.m. when I get to rolling, and I want to win the day in terms of social media. Between all the things that you guys do, but especially in the spring, old Jakey with his uh, posts and just your – constant presence. I mean, that's what it takes. People people want to feel that personal connection. Me and you visited privately yesterday, the day before John. And I mean, they just they want to feel like, uh, you know, the, the Griswold or the MLC is uh, trying to help them, and we try to help everyone, but there's just a lot of people out there, and, and I think that that social media is a way to connect with people day to day and, and uh, try to, you know, Try to put them inside of the playbook and, and just uh, try and help them when you can. Matt, it's unreal how many people come up to me at a show and go, they go, it feels like I know you. I mean, it might yeah. be someone I've never seen before, but Jeannie puts that stuff up there and with the kids too, and it's just like they're part of your family. And they, oh, yeah. I mean, I have, 
went to one day, he goes, the first thing I do every morning is see like, what's on your deal, whether it's Jeannie yep. or Jake. Every morning, that's the first thing he does. And that's that's uh, truly humbling that uh, the Griswold brand or the uh, MLC brand means that much to people that they, they'll take time out of their mornings to kind of check in and see what's new. That's awesome, I think. So. Yep. I do appreciate it. Uh, I, I apologize for being a little bit ill-prepared, but I think you hit a home run. And I, I want to tell everybody out there, all these young guys, just one thing before you let me go, is yes, that don't ever be afraid of rejection or be told no, because I've been told no a thousand times more than I've ever been told yes, whether it's going to a bank or or trying to buy a set of cattle or buying a bull. And you just got to figure out how to get it pulled off. And I, I just persistence wins every time over anything else. So and that be persistent. Is, and that is one hell of a way to uh, send it off. I appreciate it, John. Thank you very much, Curtis Reed. Uh, tell, give give Curtis and Kevin. Give John a thank you real quick. Yeah, uh, John. Thank you so much for sharing your insight and a little bit of background story to your operation it's you know from my perspective in being younger and I try to be as hungry as I can every day you know what y'all do and how you're chasing mm-hmm. your passions with your families and how you speak of the cattle business and and how you know I heard you quoted one time saying that the best thing about the cattle industry has been your family and, and that's something yep. that uh, I admire greatly so thanks well thanks Thanks for having me on. Thanks Kevin, for doing this, John. There? Appreciate it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, uh, I, I have. I'm at a loss for words with John. He's been a, uh, you know, um, an influence on so many people's lives, and it's amazing how many people. When I'm out there in the heat of the battle, picturing a zillion club calves, you know, bring up what what is John doing? What bulls has John got? What it. It's just, it's humbling. It's kind of amazing. And, and, uh, just the brand that he's built, uh, it's, it's absolutely a story unlike no other. And there was two dozen bulls that, that have been so influential that we didn't, that you didn't even touch on, but just people want to be a part of what's going on at G Bar. And Matt, you do a great job on social media. Jeannie's style is quite a bit different. But I promise you, there's a whole lot of ranchers' wives that feel like that's their best friend. And when the husband wants to go spend money at G-Bar, they're A-OK with it. That's right. Yeah, that's so, quite a deal. And I also yeah. want to say how how great a crew. I mean, none of this would happen if we didn't have everybody here working like a dog and probably not getting, you know, probably not getting rewarded as much as they could somewhere else. But we all feel like a family here, and it's just, it's quite a deal here to work here. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I would say uh, it's amazing, and I'm honored to be a part of this deal. And thank you, Curtis, and thank you, Kevin, for hopping on. But most importantly, thank you, John, for taking time out of your busy, busy day to uh, come come visit with us. So, Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye.